Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. My name's Tim Doyle, and this is Project Sports. Enjoy the show. What's going on, Projectors? Welcome back to the show. As usual, I am here with a special guest, and yes, I have followed through on my promise. The J-Man, the Jared, the Jared Sinanen, is finally on Project Sports. Welcome to the show, Jared. How's it going? Pretty good, bud. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm super excited that you're here on the show. We're going to talk football, Brady's retirement, Belichick, Tampa Bay, New England, some of the things that have happened. I want your full, honest take on this, Jared, because this has been you know, perceived a little bit differently by different people, whether they are living in New England or not, Patriots fan or, or not, people in the media. So please, please give me your full 100% take on this. I'm really excited and I'm going to enjoy this. People who don't know Jared, he was uh, formerly on a different podcast with me called Boss Sports. And now he's come onto the show. He's very knowledgeable of fantasy and the NFL. Take it away, Jared. Give me some of your thoughts on this. You know, like everyone else, everyone's pretty shocked that he retired, especially after the season he just had with like over 5,000 yards. Um, you know, he was one of the finalists for the MVP, and, and I'm still trying to get acclimated to a world where Brady isn't playing football. Um, you know, I came up from the Caribbean in 2001, so the only, and that's when I became a, a fan of, you know, NFL football, and the only football I know is with Tom Brady um, being part of the league. Um, but I've always, you know, everyone goes back to the whole, it, was it Brady, was it Belichick with, you know, the success they had. And they used, you know, one of the general um, theme when Brady went to the Buccaneers and he won the Super Bowls that, you know, this proved that Tom Brady was the reason why the Patriots won, you know, six Super Bowls and went to nine Super Bowls in that in that time period. It proved that because the Patriots had a off awful year um they didn't make the uh the playoffs that it wasn't belichick and that belichick actually is just like any other head coach in the league that if you don't have a quarterback you're not going to make the playoffs and my only pushback to that is that i I, i'm actually part of the camp and i'm not the only one i know there's a few people out there um where i don't think you have to pick sides and i feel like to have an unprecedented period like the, the patriots did where you had what's it, 20 years of success where you had nine Super Bowl appearances, uh, you know, countless playoff appearances, countless conference uh, game championships appearances, that you have to have a unique blend of talent and head coach. And you have to have two of the greatest in the game at each position at the quarterback and the head coach to do something like that. And it's the reason why it has, has never been done. And it's the reason why you look at you know, quarterbacks who are great, like Dan Marino, and who was super talented, never won a Super Bowl. Well, he didn't really have the, the head coach that, like we do with the Patriots. And so my, my pushback is that I think Brady would have won Super Bowls without Belichick. I don't think he would have won six. And I think that Belichick would have won Super Bowls without Brady. I don't think they, he would have won six and with the Patriots and gone to nine. And so I think there's a combination of the two greatest at each spot that you needed to have such an unprecedented run. And that's why I don't think it would ever happen again in the NFL. And, you know, 
you look at Tom Brady, what he was at the beginning of his career, and what I would say at that period of the of time, especially for the Patriots, it was probably more a 70-30 split for Bill being a reason why they won in 01, 03, and 04 than Brady. And then as Brady progressed, it probably became more 50-50. And then in the later part of the career, probably more of a 70-30 split for Brady because he masked a lot of the deficiencies with the draft failure, um, with personnel and free agent signings and, you know, Bill Belichick's approach um, to, you know, just the way he coaches the team, the, the, the rules in place. And, you know, everyone knows that the, the Patriots, when you come to the Patriots, it's no nonsense. You just show up, you do the work, and you just, you know, you expect to do your job. Um, but I, I don't think you have to pick a camp. And, you know, yeah. especially living in the Boston area, listen to, you know, we have, um, in this area, we have two sports radio stations, WEI and um, the Sports Hub. Everyone wants to pick a camp. And that's, you know, 99% of the phone calls is, well, you know, Brady did this and Bill did this. And, you know, this proves that Bill was the one, you know, the reason why we were so successful. This proves that Brady was uh, the reason why we were so successful. Yeah. And I think, I think you really need to have both. Yeah. I, I think it's good for daily sports talk radio to maybe have fun with it. But when you get realistic behind some of your thoughts on this type of stuff, I'm really in the same camp as you. And, and I've always said like, why are we freaking out about Belichick having to win immediately? Whereas Tom Brady handpicked a team that was, you know, viable on offense and ready to go. And maybe not everyone saw potential in a championship winning team, but he did down in Tampa Bay. But as far as Belichick, I mean, as a GM, a head coach, I'm sorry, but sometimes that can take a few years to get going and running a project, drafting a QB, getting them ready to go, serving, you know, the rest of the league, the field. I think that it's way more of a daunting task and you don't, you don't need to prove yourself. Like let's say in the next five to seven years, you know, Belichick finally wins the Super Bowl. I still think that that's comparable to match what Brady did. Not maybe saying that one was better than the other. You can still have your own opinion on that, but to, you know, come out of the gate and be like, well, Belichick lost with Cam Newton. He can't be the greatest of all time, or he can't do this, he can't do that. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's He's got to build a whole new team around a whole new star. And like you said, I don't think each one would have gotten to six by themselves is so perfectly descriptive because, you know, them together worked hand in hand. And Brady went to a ready-made team, whereas Belichick literally had to, you know, tur- he has to turn over a bunch of Leafs in, co- in coaching positions and turnover rates in player positions with age in that defense of the last three Super Bowls that they won that have been coming already for years. That's why Brady left it, which was a smart decision on his part. And this whole daily drama with the sports radio, which we both listen to, and, and you know, it's fun, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, but if you have a real conversation about it, it think more of the lines of what you and I are talking about. Yeah, and one of the things I'm fascinated to watch right now with the Patriots is that, you know, Bill had a way of coaching and he had a way of running his team with a Tom Brady. And one of the greatest attributes that Brady had um, and still has is that he was able to take the criticism for the most part. You know, there's rumors that in the later part of his career, you know, the last 2019, 2020, right before he left, you know, Brady started to push back a little bit. Um, But for generally speaking, Brady was able to be the lightning rod. He was, was able to be the scapegoat. And, you know, Belichick was able to set the tone because he could target the best player on the team, the greatest player in NFL history, 
and criticized him publicly in front of his teammates and his colleagues and his coaches. And Brady took it and he took it well. And he, he used that as motivation. And so what I'm curious to see is that now that you don't have a Tom Brady, you know, Mac Jones seems to be, you know, has the demeanor of an even keel type of guy and he laid back and, you know, he maybe have the same type of personality. Maybe that's why they liked him. You know, he wasn't that diva, like a look at me kind of showboat type of uh, quarterback. But I'm curious to see if he is able to handle the constant criticism from Bill and understand that Bill's doing this as a strategy so that he's able to rein in the rest of his teams. Like, you know, if Bill could go after his starting quarterback, then he'd certainly go after the special team player. He'd certainly go after the kicker. He'd certainly go after, you know, the third string wide receiver. Yeah. And if Mac can't handle that, how does Bill adapt? Does he adapt? Or is this what pushes him out of the game? Because he, you know, once again, he doesn't really know a lot of football um, in terms of being a head coach without a Brady. So now he's really learning and relearning the position because now you fast forward two decades and you've done things a certain way with a quarterback. Now you fast forward two decades and, you know, Matt Jones, he's a totally different generation, right? He's exposed to different things that Brady was ever exposed to. Mm-hmm. Is this what pushes Bill out? It can, 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 does he have the ability to adapt That's a great point. to the younger players? Does he have the ability to adapt through the new coaching Matthew? You look at uh, Sean McVay, who's in the Super Bowl right now, and his players love him. He's He looks like he's like an everyday type of guy, right? He can relate to all the young players and everybody love him because, and we like him because he, you know, he kind of resonates with us. Bill doesn't. He's like a grandfather, right? We, you look at him, he's like that old school, like, oh, our generation was the greatest and we did the best kind of mi- mindset. Yeah. And, and I'm fascinated to see how this plays out for the Patriots in the next, you know, three, four years is that, one, how Mac Jones responds, and two, if he doesn't respond well, how Bill responds. And if this is kind of like, you know, the beginning of the end for Bill, where he realizes that, you know what, I cannot yeah. adapt to this new way of coaching and I don't have tom brady to be the lightning rod for the team and does the patriots you know the patriots way does that start getting dissolved because yeah. there's no tom brady and there's no scapegoat that bill could you know pinpoint like hey like listen i'm setting the tone with the best so you better fall in line because no one if i could go after tom brady i could certainly go after matthew slater yeah now that you don't have tom brady to be the target you know yeah does the rest of the team fall in, fall in line? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, exactly. Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty, when those players start to, and I think Matthew Slater might be at the end or nearing the end. And, and, and Slater is probably a bad example because he was really a Patriots player through and through. But um, yeah, but I mean, as far as like who can Bill rely on to be able to, you know, you know, take that to distribute information to the team in a collective way. Some of the, like, okay, so Slater would be considered an older mentality, understands the older mentality, and he's played for Belichick for a long time. McCourty and maybe Hightower is the last of the linebackers who, you know, won a Super Bowl underneath him. But as those players fade, like you said, it, it's going to be interesting to see the newer generation to see if that actually clicks with Bill and will that be the thing that pushes him out. It's a great point. Um is there anything left that you got on this Brady retirement thing? What about maybe the, the yeah, Tampa Bay you, stuff? Some of your thoughts on Tampa Bay? Well, just in terms of how the retirement went, could it have been more of a disaster? Um, I mean, it was you, pretty bad. <laughs> you have the greatest player in NFL history, or and if you don't agree with that, you at least have to agree, agree that he's the greatest quarterback in NFL history. And something that should have been 
a ceremony, something that should have yeah. been like a, a memorable day. Like, okay, I know exactly where I was when I heard that Tom Brady retired. The way it came out yeah. and the way that it was retracted. And it then was, he went into the podcast saying, uh, like, I don't know. And less than 12 hours later, he releases this Instagram or whatever on social media announcing that he's retired. Doesn't include the Patriots, doesn't thank the Patriots fan. The no, amount of backlash he got no. in, in, you know, in, in the Boston it's, area. I'm telling you, it was the talk on sport, sports radio for a week. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And then then you also had, like, Bill Belichick. He didn't really issue a statement yeah. for, what, a, few a day, days. two days yeah. after? Yeah. And they, they made a good point is that, you know, when Rob Nikovich, uh retired, Belichick released a statement within hours. When, you know, so and yep. here you have the greatest play of all time, and you took, it took you two days to do that. I, I you know, I, I was actually underwhelmed the way it went down and i was actually kind of hoping brady would have come out and say you know this is my final season so you can have a farewell tour tour you know because I, I think he deserves that he he should be celebrated for what he did for the game and what he represented and, and the fact that that was stolen from us and the fact that it became so messy yeah. that he, i i honestly cannot remember a play at his caliber that screwed up a retirement like this yeah and i and uh, obviously, there was a leak somewhere in the whole mix where it had to do with maybe the the ESPN uh, films that he was producing with the one of the men in the arena. Maybe someone they had an ending to the show and they found out that he was going to retire because they maybe they made two different episodes if he made it to the Super Bowl or didn't. And then someone leaked something to Schefter and some of the other reporters and they just went with it. But yeah, it was very like disheartening, especially like. I don't know, like if you're one of those reporters and you're like that big of a story, I know you want to break it, but wouldn't you think you'd call Brady's people, connect with them? It was then then when it came out, it was confusing and not even hours later it was retracted. It was very weird and very strange. And then even more strange, not a week later, like you said, gets on a podcast. And now this week is like, hey, I don't uh, you know, you ne- you never know. I-, I said the quote in the last podcast, I read it off. Um, in the Let's Go podcast, uh, and he basically was now we're kind of even since still, I don't know, I feel like he retracted again this week by saying, oh, you never say never. It's like, oh, dude, are you really retiring? Or is this like a leverage power power pull, which people have talked about? And I, at this point, I'm not even convinced he's retired. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe Belichick and Kraft knew. Maybe they didn't know. Because, I mean, anything's possible at this point. What do we know? I know a lot of the Boston sports media think they all hate each other, but then that makes me think that they actually don't. But Because, I, I, I don't know. I'm confused. I wouldn't be surprised at anything is kind of what I'm saying. I have no idea what, what it's like between all of them. For sure. But I, what I, I do, do know, I, what I I do do know is that this situation got out of hand, and I don't think that Brady's actually retiring. Do I you think miss me cutting you off? Yeah, you I miss, miss it. Me you off. Yeah, I do. I do, <laughs> I, do, I do think the optics of everything it definitely suggests that there's a tension between Bill and Brady. And oh, of you, course. You even look at, and it could just be, you know, it it could be unintentional. You know, just two egos. You know, just si- like, hey, silent Brady. tension. Yeah. Yeah, or like you know, it, it could just be. You know, they, it could be unintended. You know, it just naturally happens that it's coming coming across like this yeah. because they both want credit, right? And yes. I, I get it; it's human nature. If you did something so great for such a long period of time, yeah. and you you honestly feel like you're the reason that you want credit, you don't really want to share it. And you just even look at Bill's um, statement where he said, you know, 
and, and I'm going to paraphrase, but you know, from your humble, be- I drafted you. So once again, points it back is points back to Bill. From your humble beginnings, you became the greatest quarterback of all time. So humble beginnings mean you were nothing, and I coached you. Yeah, up no, to be the, the statement great. that statement and, and was so, great. So you said to dissect that. And oh. it almost, you almost, you know, could it be completely innocent? Possibly, but how calculated these guys are? Nothing. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think nothing is accidental. No, I don't think so either. Um, and it, you know, there was rumors that part of the reason why, you know, Brady didn't thank the Patriots or the Patriots fans. Uh, fans as one, um, Belichick's the one who leaked it. He found out that Brady's retiring, and he's the one My who goodness. leaked it to Adam Schefter. And Brady found out, so he, you know he was he was held a grudge. And two, Brady was actually upset that the Patriots fans booed him when he came back to Gillette to play um, as the Buccaneers. Did hear that season. too? Yeah, that the fam- and, and the so whole like, family it, was upset with it. <laughs> yeah, and so that that's fascinating to me. And you know, we think we know Brady and obviously no one really knows him other than his inner circle. Yeah. And we see the image of Brady, what he represents, but even in, I, I think I, I watched, it was a documentary or, or something like that where he literally admit, admitted, and I'm going to paraphrase again, but he says 90% of the things I say is not actually what I think. So he literally is a politician, right? Yeah. He, he, he says what you think he want you, he wants you, he wants us to hear. And, but in, Internally, he's processing and thinking a different mindset. And so we really don't know Brady as a person. And so we don't know how... The only, I think, for sure thing that we know is that he loves the game of football, and that's what comes first to him. And then some of the other stuff that is not... It doesn't come as easy to him. So like you say, he's he's saying other things that maybe are not actually in his head because he knows it's good for PC-wise. And that's why he's saying it. Or has other people write stuff up for him. And he's like, all right, yeah, that's good. But he's yeah. on the, on the side of like, oh, uh, I don't th- know. There's a quirkiness to Brady that we could all witness. Like even with you know with his TB12 method, and yeah, that's true. Y- you hear how how you know how hard he defends it, and it's the first time you see the persona of Brady, what he represented, kind of degrade. It's when he starts talking about the TB12 method and pliability, and you know your avocado ice cream and all that stuff. He really gets really passionate about it. And you can tell he really, you know, he stands behind his yeah, methods. and he, he sh- does. And which is great. You know, if you have conviction about something you do and you have proof that it works, I love yeah, that, right? Yeah, exactly. But he does, it is kind of quirky the way he goes to it because it's kind of that fringe science, right? Because he even had, like, a, he had a drink. He called it the uh, concoction um, mm. uh, juice that prevents you from getting, um, you know, head trauma and stuff like that. And, and it's just like, it's really 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 weird how 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 hard he goes with that stuff because that would be ground like groundbreaking science for the entire planet if that was you know sustainable or you know i mean i feel like that that would be something that's uh widely pushed if that was the case instead of just coming out of tb12 if if that's what you're saying i mean i've never heard of that one in particular but that i mean that's what i would think that it would be more than just tb12 coming out with it so it's interesting to to, it is interesting to see that side of Brady and how it's kind of he's been more open and then offended by certain things about his TB12 company and yeah like sort of this like since he's left New England he's definitely opened up more where we've seen way different sides of him and you know I mean he married the most famous supermodel in the world and he pretty much had to keep this like super private life because of you know where he played in New England. It was very everything's kept under wraps and kept kept quiet. So, 
you know, going to Tampa Bay, very different experience. He's like, all right, yeah, the cap's off. You can say whatever you want. I don't really care. I'm Bruce Arians. We're down here in Tampa just chilling. <laughs> so it's not – it's definitely not the same for sure. Um, But, man, I'm going to miss him on the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, me too. NFL. NFL in general, I don't care where he plays. I just want to watch him play. I know people probably can't stand it at this point, but we've been fans since we were kids, so it's like, whatever, just keep going, bro. Well, it, it gets <laughs> to the point where, like, you know, kind of like LeBron, where I hated him for such a long, long time. But then the, the amount of success he had, you just had to start to appreciate the talent. And even though I may not like him as a player, you know, in terms of being a fan of him as a player, I can appreciate what he, he does on the you know, game to game basis and the way he's done for such a long period of time. Yeah. And I feel like for people who, you know, may not be Brady fans, you still have to appreciate what he did. Yeah, his final season, he's like had an MVP year if Aaron Rodgers and didn't what, exist, 44 you know. Four years old. Yeah, dude. that's crazy. It's just unreal. And I feel like, you know, I am part I know, part of me is definitely heart uh, happy that he he retired before the game pushed him out. Yeah. You know, he retired on his own terms. I just wish it just played out better. I wish he, he came out before the season, say, like, hey, this is my last season. Or do what, you know, do what Big Ben did. Say, like, this is my final game. So, like, people are aware. And just, you know, have that that that, that moment where Everything's America a just tune in, appreciate you for one more game, and that's the last memory of, 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 of Brady playing football. Not, oh, hey, I retired. No, no, he hasn't made a decision yet. And he goes on a podcast saying like, "Oh no, I'm not even close to making a decision." Then comes then next day, it says he's retired, and then a week later, it says like, "Hey, I may come back." Yeah, it's so messy. Yeah, it's messy. It's it's getting uh, Brett Farvish, and a lot of people, including myself, did not like the way Brett Favre went out, and he was very annoying at the end. And I just don't want that to turn into Brady's story because I'll be honest with you, it will get annoying if you're going back and forth, my guy. Just if you're gonna hang it up, hang it up. And if you are doing a power play to get to the 49ers, that's fine. Like, you know that's what? totally no, fine, I, but just I don't would, do it a second time. I would hate that yeah. because let's, let's we'll talk hey, a little hey. basketball. Part of the reason why you and I um, really, really hated Kevin Durant's decision to go to Golden State. Mm -hmm. And we hated uh, LeBron's decision to go to the Heat and then back to Cleveland and then to the Lakers. Yep. Is that... You are you are trying to buy championships, and it's not organic. And if Brady took that approach at the end of his career, and I get it, like you know, you want to be in the best spot because you have a couple of years. But for me, it kind of puts a little a little tarnish on who Brady is in terms of competitor. Like, don't just look if if you committed to the Bucks, you're, you're under contract. Don't yeah. look for an easy way out. Don't yeah. use retirement as a a tool to be you know manipulate the Le system to get traded yeah. or get cut. Like. You signed with the Bucks, and you made the decision. And if you if you're the competitor that you say you are, you fight through that. You don't look for the easy way out and say like, okay, let me go chase one more championship with this this team because it's in, in a better cap situation or they have better players. Because it's like, and you know what, man? If he was like, you know, one more, if he had one more ring to tie another QB, but it's like, dude, you you've doubled, almost almost doubled the amount of. Rings that Joe Montana had. Like, what? Who are you he trying has more to prove? Super Bowl um, championships than any NFL um, yeah. NFL franchise. Almost double the next person, and it's yes. like, you. What are you? What are you doing? Like at this point, you don't need to prove yourself again and, to and come in. Can we talk about the whole Joe Montana? Um, you know, greatest quarterback. If you, you hold that stand still, and in the the root of your argument is that he never lost in the Super Bowl. 
He only made it to three Super Bowls, right? Or four Super Bowls. Four. Four Super Bowls. Four and one four. And he won four Super Bowls. But that also means he lost in a championship conference game. That also means he lost early in the playoffs. And so while he only made it to four Super Bowls, Brady made it to 11. Yeah. Right? So that means he didn't lose sooner. So you, you... you were given Joe Montana. You're not. You're not discredited him for losing early in the playoffs. No. And, and I'm not saying Joe Montana is not one of the greats. He is. But if you still hold the stance that he is the greatest, and that you hold the stance because he never lost in a Super Bowl, it's because he also lost earlier. True. He never made it to more than four Super Bowls. True. Case closed. It's not even close anymore. It's ridiculous yeah, if anyone who holds I'm telling that. You, man. I know it, people have that 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 a view. A lot of but people they 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 want to find reasons why not why not to give the Patriots the credit they deserve. Why not to give Brady the credit they deserve? This whole Deflate Gate. I, I don't I don't know if you saw the whole thing with Roger Goodell, where you know I think it was the season after it broke open, the NFL did spot checks of um, PSIs during yes. games and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and they threw out the data, and. Part of the um, the rumors and um, the conspiracy theories that the reason why they threw out the data is that the data actually supported what happened to the Patriots. And you know, I'm in, uh, have an engineering background, and, and for me, it just makes it's common sense that if you're on the fringe, on the low end of the the accepted range pregame, after you added friction to the ball because they 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 they, they kind of scratched it and stuff like that. Yeah. In cold temperature, you are obviously going to go below the the accepted low tier barrier, and so that just made sense. And what's what kind of is alarming to me is that Goodell actually was questioning about this at in the super during the Super Bowl week this past week, and he literally admitted, "I have no idea what happened to the da- uh, the data," and then he said, "You know." It was just a spot check. We just did it to make sure everyone's compliant. My follow-up question is, well, have you done any more spot checks since then? Because if it's all about compliance, then you should be doing it every season. That means there should be more data collected and that it should be a run and tab every year. So that one year that you lost shouldn't matter because if you're doing this for compliance, it should be something you do every year. So why aren't you doing it every year if you're doing it for uh, compliance? Because you're doing it to try to prove something and you realize hey it proved that the patriots were not in the wrong just that's just my opinion yeah yeah and then i mean another follow-up question i'd ask him is like so you're telling me as the owner i mean as the commissioner of the entire national football league and one of the highest investigations within your league in the last 20 years you don't know where the data is that's it let, seems hard that seems very hard to understand that you and don't, how hard, it, hard you're to talking believe. about an excel spreadsheet yeah. kilobytes of, of 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 information saved on you know they probably have terabytes of of, of um, service available to them you tell me you don't have that file saved and what's the purpose <laughs> of intentionally deleting that file yeah. you know i work for a small business um you know general manager for a small business and we i save every single file even if i think it's a, a one-off um you know incident where like you know this this will never happen again. I save it on the server because you never know. Oh yeah, it's laughable that I mean either either they absolutely do have it and just don't want information to get out, or they wanted to get rid of it for a purpose and a reason. It's, That's it's, much it, you can... it blows my mind, you know how how they, how they get this, away with it like how the press yeah. is not everyone should be constantly asking and, and we sh- like, come we on that's take, ridiculous we should just take it we should just accept like yeah, hey accept I don't it. know what happened to the information 
<laughs> okay. Okay. I guess. I guess. I guess we'll just live with that. And it's only one, it was one reporter who was. And I, I, I'm not it, saying but. you know Brady didn't do some shady stuff by destroying his cell phone and stuff like that. There could be other reasons, right? This guy is a celebrity. There may be text messages and information he doesn't want people to see. Yeah. And with this investigation, which he realized he was probably was a a wild goose chase, he. He doesn't want people seeing information that is private to him for something that he knew he didn't do. Yeah. Well, for sure. 100%. All right. Hey. And, and he kind of proven that, you know, he deflated football doesn't matter. He won. Yeah, it doesn't matter one anyway. That. Exactly. <laughs> if you can't beat him with a deflated football, then you're terrible at football anyway. I don't really I, understand. I the just concept. remember uh, on ESPN, Mark Brunel came on talking about it. And, that, that, you know, everything is so. Uh, dramatic with ESPN and he's holding a deflated football and he's saying like you know with this football I could throw it further I could throw it more accurate I could throw it faster I'm like dude no you Stop. can't no, you, you can barely throw a properly inflated football while it's like <laughs> the yeah maybe if you deflated your balls you would have had a, a longer <laughs> tenure in the league <laughs> Mark Brunel get out of here yeah, she's, uh, she's alright Jared we have to get to our other topics because we, oh, yeah. we just spent 29 minutes on the very first topic, which I knew like, would probably happen with you. Like but here we are. <laughs> it felt like five minutes. But I do have to go through this because I want to hear some of your takes on some other right. things that we have on the list. Uh, Super Bowl talk. Um, we're going to make some picks at maybe at the end of like our talks here. But sure. um, how do you think this game is going to open up? Who do you think is going to take the lead early? Which players will have the impact? And then maybe your X factor in the Super Bowl. Whichever team you want to pick, just give me your X factor as a player. Outside sure. of the QBs. Um, that's my only uh, suggestion. Don't pick a QB. Um, who's that player that can you know surprise us and be the the reason why one of the teams takes the victory? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go with the X factor first, just because I want sure. uh, the definition you just gave me um, is what my definition of an X factor is. Someone who surprises us, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's the wild card, and you expect Aaron De uh, Aaron Donald to to play well. You expect. Jamar Chase to play well. You expect Cooper Cup to play well. So they can't really be X-Factors if they're expected to do well. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it's Von Miller. And if so much attention is put on Aaron Donald on the defensive line and uh, Jalen Ramsey at cornerback, Von Miller is the one guy that I can see screaming off the edge, disrupting Jabbar. And, and I think that for me is the X-Factor for the Rams because we know – the offensive line issues for the Bengals. And it's it's been documented since the draft, and it was the whole debate when they took Jamar Chase um, instead of the, um, the lineman that the Chargers took. And they were saying, like, you need to protect the quarterback. And you know what? Hey, they end up making the right decision because they're in the Super Bowl, right? But it's still a great flaw in their offensive scheme. And if you put you, – you're going to have to scheme and game plan around around Aaron Donald. And that he is the focal point for your, your team. That leaves Von Miller, who is really, you know, especially since he got traded in the latter half of the year and in the playoffs, he's really come back into being a powerhouse um, edge rusher. I think he's going to be the X factor for him. If they can't contain both and allow Von Miller to just come and just interrupt the game, even if he doesn't get sacks, just the pressure and just, you know, because Jamar Chase needs to get downfield, right? They need, uh, Joe Mixon needs to get those lanes to run. And if they don't have that T. Higgins and Von Miller's the one that's crashing in, I think he's the one that's going to kind of ruin the game plan. If they're no, able really to contain him, yeah. I think, for me, the Bengals win the game. Um, that's my heart. Um, I, I, I love Joe Burrow. I have him in Dynasty. 
Um, I think he's such a likable guy. Just a couple of young quarterbacks in the league right now that's just so likable. Um, I but I'm I'm fifty I'm probably sixty forty. Like if the Rams win, I'm half of Stafford. I hate the Rams. I like Stafford, and he he you know he he put his due diligence um, playing for the Lions and wasting his whole career there. So yeah, he deserves a little break. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the same. Do you have an X factor on the other side, or you didn't really think about it much? You just think that's uh, so on the Bengals. Yeah, it, it would probably be um, Joe Mixon. Um, okay. I think, and not in terms of rushing, because we expect him to be good at rushing. I think pass blocking. If he's able to pass block and disrupt um, Von Miller, and then I think it's a different game. I, I think Joe Burrow will have time to get it uh, to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, and and then the game would be able to, you know, they could open up their offense and keep pace with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. So um, Joe Mixon's pla- pass blocking is the X factor for me. Not just rushing, because that's expected. We expect him to catch the ball. We expect him to run. Uh, I think if he's able to pass block, and he's probably the guy who's going to help with Aaron Donald, but really take care of Von Miller coming off the edge. If he's able to do that well, then the Bengals have a chance. Okay, so um, I just want to get a little bit deeper into each side of the ball, just more generalizations of how maybe each team can maybe best outcome their victory for this matchup. So let's go to the L.A. Rams side. You're the L.A. Rams. How do you... How do you get off to a really good start where it puts you in the best position to win, you think? As far as, obviously, yeah, just give me give me some of your thoughts. Like, what, maybe it will just coincide with maybe your X factor, purposes, reasons, sure. and that's okay. But give the L.A. Rams side first. What do they need to do good and, and, and well for them to win? I think it starts with their defense. If Aaron Donald is able to do exactly what he is capable of doing, it's, and that opens up Von Miller. That opens up Jalen Ramsey to, um, you know, to really get. He doesn't have to be in coverage for a long period of time, to allowing Chase and he, uh, Higgins to get open. If they're able to just do what they're expected to do because of their talent, and, and that's what the talent suggests they should be able to do, I think they're going to be fine. Um, for the Bengals, defensively, if you're able to do what you did to the Chiefs in the second half of the game, because, you know, the things with the Bengals that even though they're considered underdogs, they were considered underdogs pretty much every single game in the playoffs. And they, and if there was one team that could beat the Rams, besides, you know, I think the Buccaneers, if they were healthy, could have beaten the Rams, and they should have beaten the Rams last last week, uh, two weeks ago, was the Chiefs. And the fact that the Bengals beat the Chiefs, who are the team that would have been the favorites if they were playing the Rams, does give the Bengals a little bit more credibility than we think they deserve. Um, and I think if they're able to do what they did to um, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in the second half, they're probably going to get the yards, but, you know, just limit the scoring and just get takeaways, then the Bengals, you know, will have an opportunity to win. And that's 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 my my takeaway from this is that the Rams should win, uh, but the Bengals need an opportunity to win. And, and that's the way I'm kind of looking at this game. Yeah, I in general, I think the Bengals, they just need to do something that's going to put the Rams on their back foot early in the game. I don't think they're the same team as the Chiefs. I mentioned this in the last episode when I was talking to Caleb about it. I just really feel strongly that the Bengals need to make a statement early and and not hold back, whether it's, you know, throwing the playbook and their stuff and execute really well, because I feel like if the Rams get up on on the Bengals, it will probably be over. I don't yeah. think they're going to fold like the Chiefs folded to them. No, and I think the Rams, you know, essentially the Rams just have to follow the game plan, and they should be fine. Yeah. And the Bengals need to be playmakers to have a chance yes. of winning. Yes. And that's really the approach. They need to go, you know, just all in. You, you have nothing to lose. You need to make plays. 
The only way you can beat the Rams is not to be safe, is not to be, you know, methodical. You need to be playmakers. You need to get those takeaways. You need to score those touchdowns. And that's you need that opportunity. Yeah, very cool. I think it's, I'm really excited for the Super Bowl. Um, oh, dude, I think I was telling... <laughs> this is a um, really good one. I was talking to my wife um, at dinner. I was like, this is probably one of the most enjoyable Super Bowls I can remember for a long time because either Brady was playing, and even though I loved it, I was stressed out because I didn't want him to lose. And mm-hmm. if he wasn't playing, you had Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, Peyton Manning, uh, Eli Manning, uh, someone else playing that you don't want to win because it's, it's going to, you know, chip away, away at the Tom Brady's, um, you know, image. You know, it's the greatest quarterback of all time. It's like, I'm stressed. I don't want Manning to win the game. I don't want Big Ben because I remember when Big Ben made it to his third Super Bowl, sec- third Super Bowl, I think, uh, I didn't want him to win because then he he wouldn't have won you know as many as Brady would get closer. Yeah, I, I just remember that. So yeah, I think this is this going to be such a low key game for me. I'm just going to sit back, get some shrimp cocktail, and just enjoy the game. Yeah, that's how I feel too. And I'm like, I'm really interested in the matchup. It's a good both two good teams against each other. It could potentially be a one for the books, one for the ages. Maybe an offensive you know powerhouse game. I would be really really awesome if that's the way it goes i'll be super excited to see jamar chase and cooper cup go off i mean that's just me but i'd love to see a lot of action if we don't we get a close one a little tense at the end that's all i'm looking for but not only that like we like we talked about you know joe burrow's extremely likable i think everyone loves matthew stafford and his story leaving detroit we all knew he was good for years but was stuck in a bad organization now proving himself all that good stuff okay give me your final pick jared who's going to win the super bowl i mean i i I know what my head says, but I'm going with my heart. I, I want, I'm going to go Bengals. He's going to go Bengals, okay. I think, you know, the amount they've persevered through the playoffs, and it kind of reminds me of the Steelers when they were the sixth seed and they won the Super Bowl. Like you said in the last, I think the last podcast, the two podcasts, uh, momentum is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And it, they have the momentum right now. I, I think they took control of that second half of the Chiefs game and they proved to themselves that they deserve to be in this game. The Rams on the other, other side, you know, the second half of their game, they allowed the Buccaneers to get back in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, they, they threw that pass and got to kick that field goal to win it. They didn't play a great second half. No. Where the, the Buccaneers, the last football they did, they played a great second half. So I, I just, I you know, I know it's probably foolish to pick the, uh, the Bengals, but... There's hey. a reason why underdogs win, right? Yeah, and, no, no, no. There's a reason I, why they play the game. And it, it's not about, you know, what's on paper and who's the better team. Wow, look at you. This is crazy. Jenny, I like I'm, it. Am I'm I rubbing off on you? Now, man. <laughs> this, this, is, this is me, the, the new version of soft in his old age. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Oh, I love it. Hey, I'm all for it, man. I, I, I want the Bengals to win too. And I really do see a way from them winning. I, yeah, I, like I, don't... I said, the way is playmakers yep. you don't know the football you know one tip pass gets picked off and they're running back for a pick six those plays happen and we've seen the Bengals stay in the game over and over again in the playoffs yeah, and they've managed to win and being patriots fans you, you know the one thing we know and completely understands that not because you're the favorite mean that you're gonna win and you know, i remember when you know the 28-3 game with the falcons we were the favorites, and we were down 20-3, and we thought it was over. And the Eagles, yeah, you know, they were the underdogs. They had the whole mess, and they end up winning. Like, you just never know. You never know. Crazy plays happen. Injuries happen. Fatigue I guess, happen. I, uh, happens. I know, and I, it's just... 
I know we don't like to talk about the Giants, but the, the Giants no, Super no, no, Bowl. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can't break it up, huh? No. But that's the same thing. It was an, a team that no one really thought, and they stormed back and played really well in the playoffs. Yeah, man. That, all right, I'll talk about the Giants. 2007, uh, Eli Manning was sacked, and the refs should have blown that play dead. And, yeah, <laughs> they were paid. He was sacked. I remember watching that game, and I'm like, okay, the, the play's over. We could count like twenty Mississippis, and he they allowed a lot of play to go on. In backyard football, you got four Mississippis, man. This is NFL. You got two. You don't you don't give him twenty Mississippis. This has been over a decade. I don't think we. I ever hold a grudge. I just watched this. Man in the Arena. I, and it, I know it's just it, weird it brought it all back up, this. and I'm just thinking, man, that's I, the one I, thing that Brady didn't have. I always tell people that story of after that game, and I was at um, I was at someone's house, and. It was silence after the game, and my parents were down the street, and I drove my car back to them. My parents were at another Super Bowl party, and I pulled up, and my parents were walking out towards me, and it was super quiet. Everyone was going to the car. No one spoke. It was just like one of the worst nights ever. My dad, the only thing he said on the ride home was, we're not turning on the radio, and I don't want ESPN on my house for at least a month. And I was like, oh, okay. I believe it. <laughs> I completely believe that. But it's the truth. It was, it was a weird time. Hate it. All right, Jared, we got to get to... Um, I kind of went through a rundown with Jared before we started the podcast, and you know, he said you know, he's got some hatred for the Chiefs, and he's got some explanations. I really want to hear this. Jared, please so, take the mic here. And, and you know, This is from perspective. Like I get it because the Patriots are so successful for, for such a long period of time, but the Chiefs haven't done it yet, and they act like they, they've won... You know, six Super Bowls, and that's that. That's why Patrick Mahomes annoys me. That's why Travis uh, Travis Kelsey annoys me. That's why the, the Kansas City Chiefs annoy annoy me. Is that they act like they already won multiple Super Bowls. They act like they are the dynasty. They act like they are Patriots two point But you haven't done it yet. The whole fact that Madden this past Madden was called Babe Goat and the Baby Goat, and Patrick Mahomes on the cover of Tom Brady. Like, excuse me, you've won one Super Bowl and you lost one. Earn it. You, you, you're only in the year for four. You're only in the game for four years, and you think that you are the greatest thing ever. And that's where, like, I just cannot get behind it. If you have the success, you know, like the Yankees did, I could with the Red Sox and you know Brady or you know the Spurs. I get it. You're successful. You've earned it. You have the right to have that type of ego. But when you have it before you've done anything besides one Super Bowl and you act like you've won six. I cannot support that, and that's why they. That's why I just they annoy me. They just really annoy me. Like yeah. I, you hear them talk on this last, you know, when they beat uh, the Buffalo Bills, and you talk, they heard about him and Travis Kelsey talk about the play where they ad lib and stuff like that, and they acted like they were the only team to do that ever in the history of the game, and they acted like, hey, you know, we're the greatest thing. I am glad they lost to the Bengals. That should be humbling that you are not the Patriots yet. That. The Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks thought they were going to be the Patriots when they won um, that first Super Bowl and they had the Legion of yep. Boom and stuff like that. And they had Russell Wilson and he was a, you know, a young quarterback. They think they could put it all together. It is hard to do it. And this is why I went back to our first conversation in the beginning of this podcast is that to have an unprecedented run of 20 years, you have to have an unprecedented um, partnership with the greatest coach and greatest quarterback of all time. And yeah. that's going to be hard to duplicate. Oh, it is. It, it, very hard. I mean... Yeah, it's it's a great point, and I'm I'm sure you listened to the last episode when I talked about their collapse in general, 
And we kind of like maybe we're on the same page with that, like the cockiness that sets in and even Patrick Mahomes trying to take command of the field, throwing it to um, Tyreek Hill on the left side. And they don't get that touchdown right before the half when they should have just kicked the field goal and really put the game away right there in the first half. But the exactly. cockiness took over and that's where they collapsed. That's where I point to. And I'm not saying don't be confident, right? So the mm-hmm. 2001, yep. 2003, 2004 Patriots, they, and it was all about team. They all ran out and stuff like that. I definitely agree that in 07, there was more confidence with the Patriots. Like, hey, guys, we're the real deal. But they've earned it. They won three Super Bowls, and they, they had yeah. a perfect season in 2007. And they carried that confidence for the rest of the time when Brady and Bill were together. And Brady carried that confidence with the Buccaneers. But it didn't It didn't go to, the, you know, to cockiness where, you know, Patrick Mahomes... You listen to Brady talk post game, and he doesn't talk about plays. He said it's a great game. He, you know, it's a team effort. Blah blah blah. The fact that they think they have to dissect a, 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 a you know, a big play in the game and, and show the world why that play was great and how it happened and how it came together shows that hey, they want the spotlight and what they're doing and not put it on the team. And like I just that for me, I just I cannot support. I just until you do something. When you win multiple Super Bowls and you had to run, nope. even like Dallas did or like you know, the Steelers did when three or four, until you do something like that, please, please stay humble. Yeah, Because you haven't done it. The NFL no. changes. And Patrick Mahomes, I believe his contract kicks in this season. All the conference championships, it's like, honestly, it means nothing, man, unless you win the, the well, Super Bowl. Here's, here's where the Chiefs are going to have a lot of problems. Like Patrick Mahomes, well, he got signed a $500 million, uh contract extension i believe that money kicks in this season they're going to be a lot of cap problems mccall hardman is a free agent i don't think they're going to be able to afford to pay to bring him back and he's their second third wide receiver they're not going to be able to afford these free agents and resign their players because their quarterback makes so much money and this is where your your team is going to be tested and if you think you are the next patriots you better be into the super bowl next year yeah and i've always i've always been my take on the Chiefs in general, what happens after Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and some of the other players maybe move on, maybe not. And I always hear it's like, oh, well, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. People will want to go play with him. I'm like, whoa, 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 slow down. Russell Wilson. Slow down. Because even even if they do come, and football's way different. It's not like the NBA where you can just go play with someone else and it might work. It is not, it's not translatable all the time. That continuity and that kind of like companionship between players in chemistry is is difficult in the NFL and Um, players who come up through the draft is really what you're looking for. And when player, like a wide, another wide receiver comes, there's no guarantees. There's absolutely absolutely no guarantees. The turnover on an NFL roster from season to season is remarkable. Yeah. And you talk about a 53 man roster. It's not a, you know, like the NBA, what is it? 12, 12 team, 12 men roster, whatever it is. It's 53 men. And that means inevitably at least, 30 to 40% of your roster is going to be different the next season. Your chemistry is going to be different. The, yeah. the, the team makeup is going to be different. And like I said, you know, I remember when the Seahawks were projected to be the next dynasty, they got a lot of cap uh, trouble because they extended everyone. They extended all the, the entire Legion of Boom, you know, and Marshall Lynch and all that stuff. And eventually it, it caught up. You have to end up paying that money. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that Brady allowed the, the Patriots to do. And why part of the reason why they had long term success is that he never wanted the biggest contract, and he was always willing to take less or defer money for later on, um, so that they could have the freedom 
to bring players back or sign free agents that you know they wanted. Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, they you know you, you go down that list. They all took that monster contract early, and what that does, it handicaps the team to build a prolonged championship caliber team for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And and if even if they have a talented team, the team is a lot of holes and flawed. You look at the Packers. They were flawed. They have no other weapons outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All right. Let's get to the sleeper dynasty league that we're in. Um, I know some guys in the show, in the league listen to the show. So we were going to just talk about a little bit about dynasty leagues. My first year playing in this dynasty league. It's been going about two years. Um, I'm excited to be a part of the league. It's interesting. I'm learning a lot of new things very, very fast and quickly. And I'm having a blast. Um, differences between, you know, redraft and, and sleepers. We just draft the rookies coming up here. It goes all year round. It's it's really good if you have people who are super interested. I suggest no one who is just a casual fantasy player to even try to step into something like this. You have to be really, really into it and engaging with a good group of people that really also want it. Um, but we definitely, uh, the past couple of weeks since I've joined, we've, We've uh, we've had a lot of fun already in the middle of January into February, you know, some fireworks, some trading and stuff like that. I inherited a team, obviously, that someone else left the league. Um, I made some trades and we there's players who, you know, we all like to talk in there. And I'm trying to get to know some of the guys who are also in the league and having some fun. But one thing that always sparks people and you get a good conversation out of is you just throw some uh, you throw some rankings up there with the the fantasy, yes, some of the websites that you can go to and be like, hey, rank all these teams. And it's it's always fun to see people's reactions because, you know, really, at the end of the day, the person who wins the Super Bowl is the only one that matters. Just like yeah. in real football, it's like whoever wins the league that year, they, they can tout and, and the best puff, team puff their chest. Win. Yeah, the best team may never win. So yeah. all you can do is. But anyway, Super League, Dynasty, it's been super fun. You know, you got some thoughts on this? Yeah, I think, you know, this is really only my second year playing Dynasty. And one of the things I find fascinating is balancing the future versus the now, Mm -hmm. right? You want to build for the future, right? You want to be a contender for a long period of time, but you also want to be relevant this coming season. So I actually um, misspoke when we posted that first um, ranking. That was actually um, the website, even though I inputted our Sleeper League as a Dynasty League, it did it can only rank as a redraft league. So that that, that graded um, ranking was from a redraft standpoint. But then today I reposted a actual dynasty ranking. And it there was, it was there was some differences, right? So um, yeah, one of the yeah, teams yeah. who got a C minus in the redraft format got was ranked number one in the dynasty format. And what's fascinating from that and if you dissect that what that tells us is that, you know, this team, let's call it team A it's considered the best dynasty team according to this website on in our league, but it's basing it for the future. But when you put that, how's this team going to be relevant for this coming season? He's average. And there's other teams. There's another team who got an A plus in the redraft ranking. And he's actually was last in the dynasty, the dynasty ranking. And because he has older players, but who are still in their prime of the career, who still should still be, high performance this coming season so he got an a plus for the redraft um and he should be a contender this season but then with the dynasty outlook they're they're projecting you know two three four years down that he's going to be one of the weaker teams and so it's that balancing act of trying to build for the future but you want to win championships 
And so, like, how do you balance having young assets and young prospects and, you know, the promise of the future versus, okay, I need to compete now. I need a running back who's going to actually give me points now, not not one who could develop in two years later. And Mm -hmm. you're trying to balance both of those so that the the window kind of collides so you can be the, 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 the league champion. And that, for me, is the, the fascinating balancing act of Dynasty. Yeah. Because I feel like teams either go, just my opinion, they're on the either end of the spectrum. They're either super relevant and they're going to go all in, um, but then in two years they're going to be unrelevant or irrelevant, whatever the word is. Um, or teams who are going to try to prolong their um, life of being contenders but never really be the favorite. And so they never win a championship, but they always make the playoffs because they have always trade the young, the older assets for young assets, and they never really kind of, you know, put it together to get over the hump for that season. And you look at our league, and you could kind of see some of the strategy um, where some teams last season went all in, and they have older rosters, but they're still going to be very good next season. Yep. And there's some teams who are rebuilding, but there's some teams um, who acquire very focused on the young assets and you know building that super team and i'm kind of curious to see how they take the approach in terms of like do they start trading off um all the assets or they start acquiring when you know try to close that window so that they can actually win something yeah and those decisions it's like tough to make at certain times you have to make them at different times in the year as i'm kind of learning it's like okay maybe towards like you may not know where you're going to end up right before the playoffs start yeah. and you might make your decision then. Well, that's, I mean, it's January, you know, that's not going to happen until next December. So it's almost a year away. So it's a lot of uh, tug and, and pull on that. And what, what I also find fascinating is that age outweighs talent. It's uh, um, some trade values, right? And yeah, which I, is I very different than trade. the yeah, redraft league. I, I made a trade in a, um, the, a Superflex Dynasty League where I traded pick 1.04 and I got DeAndre Hopkins, um, a second round pick next year and a first round pick in 2024. And for me, it's like DeAndre Hopkins is 29 years old. He still has two to three more years of being elite. And the fact that I got him just to move back a year and gain an extra pick blows my mind that that, that deal even went through. And, you know, but for display, he saw 29 years old and he's like, okay, he's, He's a damaged dynasty asset. Let me let me get rid of him. And I'm thinking, well, he's still going to be very relevant in the next couple of years. And if I'm going to compete, I, you know, I need that elite talent. Yeah, you got to make. Yeah, you, you got to take risks. You got to make assessments that you think is going to pan out. And if it doesn't, at least you took your best shot from analyzing what you you thought was best. So especially and then you get into the end, you know, regular season when we actually play games. And then your mindset has to switch yeah, you know, predominantly complete, to yeah. a, a redraft approach, but you still have the dynasty in the back of your head. So, like, if, if you're not a contender, like, do you st- you start selling all assets and you try to captive, you know, capitalize on you know getting younger assets and people overpaying for stuff? It's just it's such a fascinating way to play fantasy football. And yeah. honestly, would no, I, I cannot, I would not do never not do a dynasty league because it, it's so much more enjoyable if you're into fantasy football. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And, and if there's some stuff you guys didn't, you know quite understand there because it's a lot we kind of threw at you but just look up some dynasty leagues watch some videos on it it's very very cool if you're into into yes. fantasy football in general i would it just takes it to that next level that next step you know essentially in a dynasty league you have your startup draft which is the first season and you draft all players available 
But from there on out, your roster is your roster. You can make trades, but there's no redraft. Yeah. And then you only draft rookies. And so you really have to construct your roster to and be relevant. And you get like, what, three years into the future of draft picks you're available yeah. to trade and all that kind of stuff. So it de- depends on your setting of the league, too. So how many how many picks you might be getting in a year and then how many years out. So And then you said the super the super max. That's what the uh, two quarterbacks. Super flexes. Super yeah, flex. well, you can start um, two quarterbacks. Two which, quarterbacks, yeah. Which, yeah, and it changes. That'd be dope. The, you know. Okay, so moving on from there, last topic because we're getting we're up against it. Um, top five QBs going into the offseason. So this is for not fantasy purposes, but back to the NFL talk. Sure. Who are your top QBs going into this offseason? Um, all right, so I'll go Mahomes, Allen. Um, I'm going to put Rodgers back in there, and then I go Herbert, and then there's a five-way tie between Burrow and Dak. I'm gonna need you to pick one. I pick Burr or Dak. <laughs> I, I, I'll pick. I'll pick Burr. I, Burr. I like your Burr, so I'm gonna pick him. Okay, I had the same five as you, a little bit different of an order. I had Rogers, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert. Now, question: With your Rogers being number one, where do you project him landing? I project him landing in Denver, which is why I'm, okay, so I'm putting him there. I, the reason I put I project him back with the Packers, and I just don't okay. think they have the talent. If That's he's fair. with De- yeah. if he's with Denver or if he's with you know Tennessee, I definitely think I'll put him one next season. Okay, so yeah, go down your list again. So um, this is with Rogers being in, in with the Packers, Mahomes one, Allen two, Justin Herbert three, Rogers four, and Joe Burrow five. Okay, so. My only thing right now, I love Herbert. I have him in the five spot, and Burrow over him is because Burrow has proven himself in some big moments in playoffs. But I can see, so, I can see why, why you have him there. But you know, yeah, tell me why you have him above him. Because the Chargers have a lot of they're 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 going to have a lot of money to spend in the off season, and the, the current roster they have right now is not the roster that they're going to have next year. It's actually going to be better, and I firmly believe they're going to surround him with more weapons. Even if that means bringing back Mike Williams, so I'm just kind of projecting that more, okay. you know, more talent around him. And if he's if he's this season, I would say he was fourth, um, the fourth for me. Um, but if I give him more talent, then he he deserves to jump up one spot. Burrow wins the Super Bowl. Does that change your opinion? No, uh, you know, yeah. and then they they still have flaws in the offensive line, and we both know it's hard to re- repeat. Um, repeat. Um, so if if anything, that kind of solidifies. His spot in number five. I just think, you know, data says it's against him that he's going to have another Super Bowl season. Um, so I'm just going to leave him number five. All right. Hey, Jared, that was yeah. awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, we're going to wrap this up. That was Jared's top five. That was my Welcome top five. Welcome to Boss Sports. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Boss Sports. Yeah, that's uh-huh. it. The days of Boss Sports have ended, but Project Sports has yep. begun. So Project Sports, yes, sir. Yeah. Projectors, I love the, that. The, yeah, my projectors, my fans. You know, I mostly did that because Jake hates it. Mom and Dad. Jake McCracken. He's like, you can't call them projectors. That doesn't make any sense. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it for the rest of time now because you don't hey, like it. You should get Jake on this. I feel like you. He's a busy man. I've tried. I've tried. And he says he's going to come on, but i got to get him in a good spot. He's all I over love the place going on with Jake. Yeah. Jake's such a good dude. Well, if we get you both on at the same time, that'd be kind of fun. That'd be a good, that'd yeah, be a good show. Yeah, we talk about how spank him in Yeah, Pretty you much can spank week. him in fantasy football, too. But the man tries. He, he gives his best effort. He tries. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, but it's been a pleasure. I had so much fun doing this. And it wasn't fully boss sports. We didn't have Ryan, Ryan on the show. Um, but, you know, maybe someday we can always hope. 
But uh, yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for coming on, Jared. Thank All you, right. Take care.